What's up, Warriors? Welcome to another another wonderful Warrior Wednesday here at Protectors Toolkit. We're so thankful for you to enjoy tonight's broadcast. We're so thankful that you're here tonight with us on this Wednesday. We love to do these Warrior Wednesdays just for you, the church protectors. This is something that is near and dear to my heart because I feel like I can't get in enough audiences. I can't talk to enough warriors, you guys and gals out there that have decided to take up arms or stand up for your church to say that we are going to have a safe and secure worship environment. So welcome tonight to our Warrior Wednesday. If you're new here, if you're just joining us, this is your first time hit that comment section over there. Let us know where you're joining us from. Tell us a little bit about you and your church, and we'd love to chat with you. Also, don't forget, in that in that chat box over there is a great place to drop your questions while I'm live. I'll answer your questions live if I can get to them. I want to see what you have out there. And if I can't get to them during this broadcast, I will get to them in the comment section, and I'll tag you in there as well. Carson, so glad that you're here. So glad to have you back can't wait to get to see you again sometime this year, my friend. Hope your new year was wonderful. So let's jump into tonight, but let's orient ourselves first and foremost to what Protectors Toolkit is all about. Protectors Toolkit, the guiding biblical principle for us is, for us is this, Proverbs 18, 15, and it tells us, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Now in that easy to read and understand version of the Bible, it says it this way, wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And that's really what we're all about here at Protectors Toolkit. Jim, I see you out there just joining us. Thank you so much. And Woodstock, Georgia, that's awesome. Great to have you here tonight, Jim. Uh, as a church protector, I think one of the things we're going to talk to about tonight, de-escalation, is one of the most critical skills we can possess as a church protector. Why? Because it involves the thing that we're going to be doing the most. That's interacting with people in our church. Yes, I know we love to train with our guns. We like to be out there carrying in church because we, we're uh, protecting the flock that way. And that's great. And that's biblical, of course. But we are going to be talking to people a lot more than we are guns up and guns out of holsters, because quite frankly, what we think about here at Protectors Toolkit, number one, is the gun out of the holster. There's a lot of failures that happen in your process up to that point. And number two, we need to be engaging people with aggressive hospitality, and that's how we'll shut some of these things down. These gun, uh, these active shooter killer events are really a lightning strike event. We need to be better at dealing with people, talking to people, than actually going guns up or just training with guns, guns, guns all the time. Victor, I see you joining us there from Florida. Thank you. Randy, thank you. Uh, Grove Community Christian Church in Baltimore, Ohio. Awesome. Uh, Scott Hewins. Uh, yep, I see Spring Hill, Florida, of course. Victor, I can't wait to spend some time with your church uh, this 2021 season as well. I know we're going to have a great time there. Um, so let's get into de-escalation, what that's all about. So there are a ton of factors that involve uh, identifying, de-escalating, and managing conflict situations. You all know this. If you've been doing this for a little while, you understand that this is a part of the church safety and security ministry that has a lot of nuances to it. These situations typically unfold rapidly and, and oftentimes without warning. Uh, we don't know what triggers it sometimes, and it just comes upon that person to get into a crisis, whatever it is 
for that particular person at that time. Time compression alone makes it necessary for the church protector to have two things readily available for you at your disposal, whether it's on your tool belt or in your toolbox. You've got to, number one, have a working and understanding knowledge of the OODA loop process. I'll talk about that here in a second. And number two, an advanced preparation and training in the escalation if you hope to be successful at this. What is the OODA loop? Well, this was developed by Colonel John Boyd. He's a fighter pilot, United States Air Force. Easily one of the most mil uh, easy military forces out there. No offense, Air Force brothers and sisters. I love you, but I'm Army all the way. So Colonel John Boyd figured out the sooner he could get involved in his enemy's OODA loop, which stands for observe, orient, decide, and act, the sooner he can get involved in that in his enemy and have his own OODA loop process going on and even get ahead of his enemy in that process of observing something, orienting himself differently, taking a making a decision and then taking action, the more success he would have in outcomes of these fighter pilots. So we can also implement that here in the church safety and security world too. We want to understand, we want to observe that where is someone in a crisis that we have to de-escalate. We want to orient ourselves properly. We're going to talk about that here tonight. We want to make a decision on how we're going to do that. And last but not least, take action. And we want to try to do that ahead of the person's OODA loop that is actually in the crisis. You know, hand, having written policies and procedures is very important. I, and I talk about this all the time on all of the Warrior Wednesdays. Again, if you're just joining us tonight, make sure you drop some comments in the comment sections. Let us know what church you represent, uh, where you're listening from. And if you do have any questions, drop those in there as well. I'd love to answer those live for you tonight. Uh, also, go seek out all of our other Warrior Wednesday videos. Those are on our YouTube page. But again, stay with us here right now while we talk about this. Those those policies and plans and procedures that you have that are written down, the great thing about that is you can train your folks to those plans, policies, and procedures. That's going to be vitally important in everything that we do in this uh, de-escalation process For, because we have to determine what type of de-escalation or person or crisis that we're dealing with. And if we have a policy that tells us how we're going to deal with these types of interruptions, that helps us discuss in our small groups, in our church safety and security ministry teams, what we should be doing. And then also maybe it helps us identify who's really good at it. Because believe it or not, folks, it is, uh, Thomas, I see you joining us from Pima in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Awesome. Hit us up at Admin at Protectors Toolkit because I've got to talk to you in Tulsa. I need to come up there and visit you folks up there. So what I what we need to understand in this is, is there this is not a, a come one, come all approach. There are going to be specific people in your church safety and security ministry who will be very good at the de-escalation process. And there will be some people who are not so good at it. You may have a vision of somebody already on your team that whenever there's a crisis or someone is in conflict, they seem to walk over with a can of gasoline and pour uh, gas on that fire already, right? That may be not the person you want in your church safety and security ministry dealing with de-escalation. Mike Brown, thanks for joining us in Spring Hill, Florida. Awesome. Uh, so let's determine first who, what we're dealing with, what type of crisis this person is in. Is it uh, a person with diminished mental faculties? That certainly takes uh, a soft heart and a soft hand to deal with that. Uh, it is someone who is non-threatening disruption, someone that just doesn't know any better, or maybe they think the pastor is talking directly to them. We see that sometimes in church as well. Uh, is this a calculated or purposeful disruption? Is this someone uh, who is anti-church, anti-God, anti-Christ, and is coming into our church to purposely disrupt us. Now that's a total type, uh, different type of disruption. We talk about that in some of our other training. 
Um, or is it someone in mental health crisis? Again, you can see why it's important to know first and foremost, as we're orienting ourselves and, just, and observing what type of crisis we're dealing with and what type of de-escalation we're going to be dealing with at this point. And, it, and it's critical at this point to understand uh, to get law enforcement intervention started your way as soon as possible. We understand that law enforcement national response times are roughly 10 to 15 minutes. That's a nationwide average. You are going to be the true first responder to your incident, to your de-escalation event. So understand that. But we do want to get the professionals involved and in route to our location as soon as possible. And what's the what's the worst that happens if we de-escalate it? Great, we de-escalate it, we write our incident report, and the police show up, they get to meet us, they get to see our church, and know that we're a partner with them in the community. Now, like I said earlier, it is my belief and understanding and experience that de-escalation is a true art form. You will know people who have the gift of gab and can talk to anybody. Uh, for my church, I happen to be one of those people. I like talking to people. I like figuring out people. Uh, sometimes in these type of situations, I look at it as a puzzle. And when the, when the time crunch is on, I love that crunch as well. And it makes me excel at this particular uh, art form. However, there may be some people who aren't great at it, don't have the gift of gab, or maybe just don't want to engage in these type of things. So pre-identify these people uh, as your de-escalators or people that you want on your team to be engaging with people, and that will help you in advanced preparation. Remember, I've heard this said before that the body can't go where the mind has never been, and that means we program up here so our body can perform. We're not going to rise to some Herculean uh, effort, or we're not going to be... Um, you know, one of these action stars, uh, if we haven't programmed ourselves first, we're going to fall to our lowest level of training, quite frankly, in a crisis situation. So just understand that. Um, to be able to verbally de-escalate uh, conflict, it takes patience, it takes tact, and to be just quite frank with you, it takes the ability to control your pride and to control your ego. What we have to understand that this is not a personal attack. This person is not personally attacking you. They're, they're attacking whatever they're angry at. They're attacking whatever's around them. They're attacking maybe the authority that you represent. So we have to take that ego and that pride and we have to set that aside. And for some of the some of the church protectors, that may be a little bit more difficult than others. And so when you're deciding who your team is, your response team is for this, that's some things to consider. Who can set that pride aside? Who can set that ego aside and really get one-on-one -on -one, uh, one -on -one engaged with this person that is having this crisis and cross causing this disruption that you're having to de-escalation, uh, to de-escalate. Aggression um, arises from frustration. Um, it's one of the prime triggers of conflict, and this can occur in anyone at any time, uh, especially if someone wants something that they cannot have, whether it's uh, they want entry into your premises, uh, into a certain building, they want access to areas they shouldn't have access to, uh, maybe they want a specific seat in church. We've experienced that recently in my own church and that we had to de-escalate a person who wanted to sit in a certain area. Uh, so we prepare ourselves in advance by understanding that aggression is bred out of frustration. And we, as soon as we can lower that frustration or take that frustration away, that aggression may not come in. Breakdowns in communication, a lack of adequate communication skills, and even drugs or alcohol can all be contributing factors to the development of conflict in somebody that is in crisis. Uh, but regardless of the contributing factors, the intended goal for us as the church protector, as the warrior, and understand that folks, you are warriors. The Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. It says right quick in Exodus, 
up front of the Bible if you don't believe it. And we are created in his image. So you protectors, I look at you all as warriors, and I thank you for that. Remember, if you're just joining us, uh, hit the comment section. Let us know where you're joining from and ask any questions over there that you also want to know more information about. We'll get those answered tonight. Uh, if I can't get them tonight, I'll get them in the uh, comment section later on. I'll tag you. Um, so our goal, what is the goal? It's outcome focused. What do we want the outcome to be? And we should already have an idea what that is prior to going into this conflict resolution or this de-escalation with this uh, with this person that is in crisis. We want to have a goal in mind, what we hope to achieve in this. That way we can work towards it. Um, when you're dealing with conflict, it's important to remember first and foremost that you, as the church protector, as uh, uh, the warrior, you are in charge of how you react. And the way you react may make that other person rise uh, in their level of aggression, or it may lower their level of aggression. So understand that your attitude must remain positive at all times to be successful in this. Uh, we want to make sure and we're giving the conflict our full attention. If we are the one to de-escalate this person, then we have to be the one that is directly engaged with this person and give it our full undivided attention. This person has us at this moment. So what does that mean? Well, your plans, policies, and procedures then have to be written. If I am the one in charge of church safety and security for that day, and I have to de-escalate this person, then guess what? Someone else has to step into my role. Uh, so another coordinator has to step up and take care of the other things that may be going on in the church safety and security space. So understand that. That's why we have uh, these plans in place. So I know if I'm dealing with it, then somebody else behind me has my back and I don't have to pay attention necessarily to my earpiece as much as paying attention to the person that's directly in front of me. Also in this, we have to understand that there are two types of communication, verbal, the spoken word, the thing that we say to the person and nonverbal, our body language or cues. Um, our attitude is going to be readily apparent and almost like a neon sign on the front of us if we don't have the right verbal uh, execution and talking, and we also don't have the right nonverbal. If I just sit there with my arms closed and my head cocked, like I can't wait till this is over, that's not going to let the person believe that I really want to de-escalate this situation. And it's also not going to let them believe that I can de-escalate this situation. I do have the power and authority to help them through this. So make sure we're paying attention to our body, uh, what we're doing with it, how we're presenting ourselves, that we're not uh, being overbearing, and we're also not saying the wrong things to incite violence or to raise the level of aggression in this person. Our aim here is to redirect the other person's behavior to generate voluntary compliance in whatever we're trying to get them to do. So understand, keep the goal uh, in mind, see the finish line already, know what that looks like for you, and have the right body posture and the right verbal execution when you're talking to this person. So the first step with this, we talked about the plans, policies, and procedures. Uh, the first contact is often going to be the most important. It establishes who you are and what your ability is and what your capabilities are within the conflict resolution or the de-escalation process. This is, again, why we have the right people that are doing this job. Uh, we train also our ushers and greeters to the affected level in this. Think about it. They may be the first person to think to find somebody that is wrong or is just off. They don't have the right countenance. Maybe it looks like they gargled with vinegar or, or were baptized in vinegar when they come into the church. And this would be great for our ushers and greeters to, number one, uh, let us know about this person as soon as they see them. They also might be the front line that gets the aggression first especially if it's an usher seat, uh, seating someone who doesn't want to be seated in a certain area. That might be the trigger event right there. So the ushers 
and greeters are our first line of defense. They're our eyes and ears, and we give them capability and ability when we train them in this process as well, at least to the affected level. Now, if their affected level is recognize it early on and report it to the right people, so be it. That's why we write it down. We can train them to it, and everybody knows what is involved in the process. Your ushers and greeters should be trained, obviously, to minimize it or to remove it for, from a major uh, area like the inside the sanctuary or from around a lot of people. But in the uh, absence of that, they have to be given the capability and ability to get somebody on a radio that can do that or has the authority or has the ability to do that. So make sure we're doing that. Again, just a reminder, if you have any questions throughout my talk here, just drop them in the comment section right there and I will get to them at the end of this video. I'll make sure I answer all your questions. Uh, it doesn't even have to be about de-escalation. If you have any uh, asks or questions about church safety and security in general, shoot them out there. Chances are somebody else is thinking the same thing and we'll get that answer for you as well. Uh, we want to make sure we pre prepare our safety and security team in advance. We talked about that with policies and procedures. Uh, we can do that also by getting advanced training for them. You know, a lot of times what I see churches, I travel all over the nation. I train churches. I'm very fortunate that I get to do that. And I spend a lot of time in a lot of different houses of worship in a lot of different states. And sometimes I see that training is uh, lacking sometimes. I know we're largely a volunteer force and getting everybody to show up to a training event uh, is sometimes difficult. And so what do we do? We get the hard stuff out of the way or the things that we like to talk about out of the way. And that's typically how are we going to engage an armed suspect? Now, this is something we do need to train for, but however, that is a lightning strike event in our church. Uh, if we're, and especially if we're doing everything right in all of our holistic approach to church safety and security, we may never experience an armed gunman come into our church. So seek out some additional training. And a great training is a de-escalation course. Uh, Protectors Toolkit has a course. We do a one-day course that has some scenarios built into it. And we also have a patterned behavior recognition course uh, where you can start recognizing patterns in people. And then you can you can uh, cut them out of the herd, so to speak, and recognize the outliers, the, the lone wolves, uh, the savage lions, if you will, from the Bible as described to us that are coming into your church to do harm or cause disruption. So seek us out for that too, admin at Protectors Toolkit, or just navigate over to our website, protectorstoolkit.com, and we'll help you find the course that you need for your church. You can jump on a call with me. So let's get into 10 tips for de-escalation for the church protector. That's probably what y'all showed up here for tonight. Anyhow, so let's get these knocked out. Number one, be empathetic and non-judgmental. When we're talking about de-escalating somebody, we have to come into it, no matter how we know this person, if it's our first time meeting a, them or we've known them or their family for a little while, we first and foremost want to start with a clean slate. We want to be empathetic to their problem and non-judgmental. Listen, this crisis that they're describing to you or whatever they're uh, aggravated about may not mean anything in the world to you. I will tell you the person that wanted to sit in a certain seat in our church, that didn't mean anything to me. But you better believe I made that person feel like it meant the world to me that they get to sit in a place that they want to sit. You see what I'm saying here? If someone is in crisis because their cat died and you don't happen to be a cat person, at least in that moment, you better fake being a cat person. It will come across to the person that you care about them when you uh, start having a little bit of empathy and a little bit of sympathy in what they are saying. Number two, we're going to respect personal space. We remember the three P's about personal space. Number one, position, posture, and proximity. We don't want to do a lot of touching about people, uh, and we're going to tactically telegraph the things that we're going to do 
uh, when the when we're dealing with people in crisis. What do I mean by that? Tactically telepath or, or telegraph it. We're going to tell them exactly what we're going to do. Uh, hey, I'm going to sit down. Is that okay with you? We don't just jump into it and do it. We allow them to be involved in the decision-making process when we are tactical and telegraph what we're going to do ahead of time. Hey, I'm going to come on this side of you and we're going to work through this problem. Again, we give them all the information. We don't violate anybody's personal space unless they are asking for that. If someone just needs a hug, you better be the best hugger on the planet. We need to be giving more hugs uh, in, in church safety and security than we need to be practicing on how to get our guns out of the holster, just quite frankly, I'll tell you that. We also want to make sure, number three, uh, we use non-threatening, non-verbals. Uh, people in distress are going to hear your words a lot less than they are going to see what your body is doing. If you are just overbearing, standing over them, you have your fists clenched, or you're in a fighting stance, your arms are crossed, any of those things are going to give off, a, give off a bad vibe about what you're there for, and it belies your true intentions, which is get this over with. If you mess up, I'm taking you out. That's not what we're doing in de-escalation. Now, there may come a time and a place in de-escalation where we do have to de-escalate somebody that way. But if they're in a crisis and it is not, and it's not uh, a weapon involved or something of that nature, nobody's life is in danger, then we're going to try to de-escalate through words and body posture. Be mindful of your gestures, your facial expressions, your movements, your tone of voice. Keeping a tone and body language neutral will go a long way into resolving this crisis. Next. Keep your emotional self in check. And what do I mean by that? We talked about it earlier. You grab your zipper way up here at the top, pull it down, and take off that ego, throw that to the side, and take your pride, toss it over there as well. The ego and pride in this event is going to lead to disaster for us. It's not going to lead to a great de-escalation for this person. And quite frankly, it may put them off and not open to us to be able to be de-escalated. So we take our ego and our we talk to self and remain calm and rational and rational, and we take the self out of it. We are not the problem here, but we can be if we inject ourselves into the problem. What do I mean by that? If I make the problem all about me, or I tell them how uh, I, I believe what they're saying is true, and it happened to me too, I'm putting myself in that situation. We want to make maintain as much neutrality as possible, just like Sweden. Uh, just think of yourselves as Sweden if you want to. Uh, we want to be as neutral as possible in this situation. Don't put the self in there because when we put self in there, we tend to make it a lot more about us and less about the person that is actually in crisis. And it goes a long way to diffusing the situation if we take the self out of it. It allows them to open up to us. We also want to focus on feelings. Yes, I know if uh, if you're one of those tougher than tough guys, feelings is sometimes we don't like to, some, it's one of those things we don't like to talk about. But in this situation, when we're de-escalating somebody, they are really in their feelings and their feelings to them really matter. It's In fact, it's the most important thing in the world to them right there is their feelings. And the more you intrude on those feelings or you tell them those feelings aren't valid or you invalidate those feelings, the more aggression is going to start building in this person. So uh, we get to the heart of the matter when we talk about people's feelings and we recognize and respect their feelings. We watch and listen carefully to the person's real message. We try to get it out of them. We ask them to tell them us more and more and more. And I'm very fond of uh, introducing this guy to every class that I teach, because if you're a church protector, you should know who my friend is. It's Quiet Coyote. Quiet Coyote has two ears that's good for listening and one closed mouth. 
Quiet Coyote will go a long way in your church safety and security ministry. People in crisis, people in church in general, like to be listened to. So nod your head and listen to the person and get engaged with what they're telling you about their feelings. Sometimes you can experience, next here is ignoring challenging questions. And what do I mean by that? Sometimes we can experience this person wanting to personally attack us. They want to challenge our authority, challenge our abilities, challenge our capabilities, and we're going to cut that off at the knees. How are we going to do that? Um, we're going to make sure we redirect to the actual challenge that we're having. We're not going to rise to that. We're not going to say, well, I do have authority, and this is the authority I have, and this is the training I have, and this is who I've trained under, and I have the full authority of the church. We don't need to say all that because if we need to say it, they're not going to believe it. They need to believe it by the way we posture ourselves, the way we present ourselves, and how articulate we are in this situation. When a person challenges your authority, we want to make sure we redirect their attention to the actual issue at hand. We also don't want to add in other people to this equation. Well, so-and-so did this, or you did so this for so-and-so. No, this is a specific event for you. We're dealing with your event, your event only. If that happened, I'm sorry about that, but this event is special to you and we're going to deal with that. That's how we cut this off early on. We don't have to rise to the challenge of their challenging questions or their uh, taking away of our authority. We bring the focus back to how we can work together, you and I, to solve the problem. That'll help you out in the long run. Next one is set limits. Uh, a person, uh, as a person goes through crisis, we're going to have to set limits for them on what we will allow to happen and what can't happen. And it's okay to talk about this to a person in crisis. You have to let them know where your hard stops are. No, you're not going to be able to talk to the pastor right now. However, you can make an appointment to talk to the pastor. Here's how to do it. We set these limits where uh, it's something along those lines where I'm in a crisis. I need to talk to the pastor right now. We're not going to allow that to happen. We know that's a huge risk in the church safety and security ministry. So we have to know what those limits are already. And then we stick to those limits. We don't waver from those hard limits that we've set. We are respectful uh, or, uh, and set re uh, reasonable limits. We're concise and offer respectful choices, options. Uh, are always uh, preferred in this, and we don't go beyond a certain limit. Make sure we speak clearly and simply and offer the positive choices first so they can be involved in their own crisis de-escalation. The next is show empathy. This goes without saying, I think, sometimes, but we have to remember that first and foremost, what we do in this ministry is we put our heart on our shirt as a badge. We should be serving every, everybody from our heart. We have a servant's heart to serve people in this capacity, to put our own lives on the line, to stand in the gap. If the savage wolves and the roaring lions ever were to attack the church, we will be there to stand up for the folks, for the flock. So we need to start serving with our heart. And a way to, to de-escalate somebody is to show that first and show a little bit of empathy for that person. This goes back to what I said earlier, where if you don't care about you ask you care if this is the Christ to get this resolved. Uh, hot heads and cold hearts never solved anything. Remember, hot heads and cold hearts never solve anything, especially in church safety and security ministry. Um, the safety and security professionals, we need to show compassion for what we do and empathy and give conflict our full attention. This person needs to be made to feel as if they are the most important person in the world to us at that moment. We don't make rash judgments. And in fact, we shouldn't be judging these people. Anyhow, that's not our role. That's not what we were given to get uh, to do in the kingdom. Um, 
Next and uh, next here is silence is sometimes awkward, right? No, silence is not always awkward. Silence is sometimes necessary. You know, one of the greatest one of the greatest tricks we have in law enforcement. I'm just going to reveal this to you because I don't think you'll share it with anybody else. So this is just our secret. One of the greatest tricks we have in law enforcement and dealing with people in crisis and conflict and people in confessionals is silence. People will fill in the silence for you. The more we allow people to talk, the less they're yelling sometimes. They bring their voice down when they realize they're, they're uh, overpowering or they're louder than everybody else around. And remember what I said, quiet coyote has two ears, one closed mouth because people want to be listened to. So silence is golden is our rule in church safety and security. We've all experienced awkward silences. And you know what we try to do? We try to fill those in. Anytime you've experienced an awkward silence, think back to the last time, maybe it was today, you filled it in with some sort of noise or a comment to the person that was also in the awkward silence with you. And believe it or not, people in crisis will take that opportunity to vent. And when they're venting, they think that we care, we're showing the empathy, and we're de-escalating the person by doing that. Silence can be a very powerful communication tool, especially to the church protector. Last but not least, we allow time for decisions, right? When a person is upset, they may not be able to think clearly. So time is on our side. You know, in some of the other broadcasts I've done on Warrior Wednesday, I talk about the importance of respecting time and distance for the church protector. The more we can respect time, the time of this individual, and allow them to gain a clearer understanding or allow their clearer head to uh, to reveal itself the better we're going to be in this conflict resolution or this de-escalation. A person's stress rises when they feel rushed. We're not going to rush them. This is not a rushed procedure. Even if the police show up on scene, you can have an usher and a greeter have them hold off to the side, especially if it looks like you're making progress. You've taken someone from a 10 to a 3, and they're on their way to a 2 and a 1. You may have the police just wait outside while you complete the process. If this person has trusted, has put their trust in you and they've allowed you to de-escalate them all the way to that point, get them all the way home and take them to a good, clear pasture where they can clear their head and, and rational, rationality can start to come in again. Now, I wouldn't be Guy Beverage and, I, and this wouldn't be Protector's Toolkit if I didn't give you a bonus tip. So tip number 11 or the bonus tip here is this, practice consistent courtesy. I'll say that again. In everything we do in church safety and security, we practice consistent courtesy. What do I mean by that? The same courtesy you gave the 80-year-old woman in the big fancy hat to sit wherever she wanted, you gave her your arm to walk her down the aisle to her seat, you give it that same courtesy to everybody that we deal with in the church safety and security ministry. Whether it's a, a congregant in crisis uh, who's having a mental health breakdown, or it's the 80-year-old lady in the big fancy hat. Everybody gets the same courtesy from us. Uh, and this goes a long way in de-escalating. We treat people the same no matter who they are. We serve with a servant's heart. We remember that in our business, the church business, we might as uh, we might as well be on the first impressions team because we may be the first impression anybody ever gets of our church, especially if they come in in conflict or in crisis. We may be the face of the church. And so our job and what we do is we practice consistent courtesy to everybody. We strive to maintain a positive brand image. Yes, I said it, just like in marketing, we want a positive brand image of our church. Why? 
We want people to come back to our brand. We want people to come back to our church. And we are an expert in customer service when we practice consistent courtesy to everybody. And also remember in all of this, when we're de-escalating people, we want to remember the words of the righteous right Reverend Dalton from that great training video, uh, Roadhouse, where it is, be nice. So there you go, uh, protectors. We want to remember when we're doing this, we don't walk in fear. You cannot approach someone to de-escalate them if you are fearful of that conflict to begin with. Uh, the uh, First Timothy, uh, Second Timothy one seven says this: God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The majority of people in crisis simply want someone to listen to them. A disruptive individual may be calm simply by receiving a listening ear. In all of these conflicts, the law is always typically is the law is always on your side if you do uh, de-escalation. Right, churches are private property owners, and we are we are allowed to extend or withdraw our invitation to our property. Check your state laws for that; they vary state to state. But by and large, case law supports that churches are not required to allow everybody on their property simply because the ministries are open to the public. If you need to de-escalate somebody and remove them from your property, go ahead and do that. From a risk mitigation perspective, calling law enforcement solves many problems for you, but it could also bring problems to you if not handled and managed in the proper way. The visible presence of uniformed law enforcement often helps calm a disruptive individual, but it could also escalate that situation. So use it wisely, use it to your advantage whenever possible. In all instances, Prior preparation prevents poor performance. If you've been in the military for any length of time, you may have had that screamed at you like I did. Prior preparation equal uh, prevents poor performance. Quality training is vitally important. Quality training we bring you from Protectors Toolkit is the training you need for the de-escalation uh, uh, training that you need for your church safety and security pro uh, professionals. Remember also the Bible tells us the tongue holds the power of life and death in Proverbs 18.21. When used properly, words can de-escalate even the worst situation. So thank you for joining us here tonight. I don't see any questions in there to ask. You can ask them now as I do our closeout, as I always do. I want to make make sure you uh, to remind you, if you're new to the, to our Facebook page, hit the, hit the like button so you get updates from us whenever we drop uh, this free content out there for us. Also, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms right here on Facebook. Also, navigate over to our YouTube page, Protectors Toolkit on YouTube. Tons of other free training videos out there just like this one that you can easily digest. Also, don't forget our podcast, Word and a Weapon. How could I forget that? Word and a Weapon is just that. It's a word. It's something from the word uh, for your day to take with you as a Christian protector. And also, I give you a weapon behind that, something you can put in your toolbox or on your tool belt. It's training that's easy to get into, get out of, and get on with your day. Don't forget to navigate over to uh, protectorstoolkit.com. Protectorstoolkit.com. Right now, if you sign up for our membership right now, I'll give you the code to do it at $10 a month. Here it is. Warrior Wednesday. That's it. That's the code to sign up uh, to be an inside member to get all the training you need done for you training for your team, all the forms that you need to uh, increase your safety and security ministry. Whether you're building, developing, or leading, protectorstoolkit.com is where you need to go. For only $10 a month right now, Warrior Wednesday is a code to use. We're booking now also for our, our live in-person 2021 trainings. Get involved in that. Hit us up at admin at protectorstoolkit.com. Admin at protectorstoolkit.com to find out all the information about all the training that you want. Uh, you can also get $500 for your safety and security ministry. Yes, I said that right. You can get up to $500 for your safety and security ministry just for hosting a course at your church. So hit us up, 
find us wherever we are, message us, get us a carrier pigeon, whatever you need to do, we will get make sure that we bring the training to you and tell you how to get that $500 grant right back to your safety and security team. If you're looking for a way to do a risk assessment for your church to figure out where you are, to figure out the opportunities and gaps and figure out what you're doing right and give you a roadmap on how to go from good to great in your church safety and security ministry, it doesn't cost a ton of money because guess what, folks? We've done a virtual risk assessment for you. We will do a virtual risk assessment with you on the phone, walking through your church, looking at specifics, and you'll get a, hand, you'll get a written report that comes right to you uh, to give you that roadmap to go from good to great. So thank you for joining us again here tonight on Protectors Toolkit on our Warrior Wednesday and Protectors Warriors. Don't forget, as I always say, keep them safe.